Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is the Tom Hartman Program. And greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth, and justice, believers in peace, freedom, and the American way. Tom Hartman here with you. We've got a lot to talk about today. The GOP is turning up hate and fear, or turning up the dial on it. We'll get into that in just a moment. We've got a lot to talk about. I want to just start out very quickly by pointing out that, you know, at the top of the news, right across the board and right across the country, are these uh, atrocities, these Russian atrocities that are coming out of Bucha, this little suburb of Kiev. And the Russians have taken a much larger city, Mariupol, and just bombed the crap out of it. There's still a couple hundred thousand people in that city. And it looks like, according to coverage, this is out of a, out of a, a website based out of Ukraine. You just never know, you know, is this is this, uh, you know, information? Is it news? Is it propaganda? I can't vouch for this. It's not been verified by U.S. sources. But this is what their, uh, the, Mari- the, the Mariupol City Council, which is now kind of a city council in hiding or, you know, a shadow council or whatever, because the Russians have pretty much seized the city and the mayor, what they have to say. This is a a press release from the city council of Mariupol. Quote, murderers covering their tracks. Russian mobile crematoriums have started working in Mariupol. After the wide international coverage of the genocide in Bucha, the top leadership of the Russian Federation is ordered to eliminate any evidence of crimes of its armies in Mariupol. Uh, and, and, this, and they say this is why the Russia, uh, Russia is in no hurry to give the green light to the Turkish mission. See, the Turks have said that they'll come in, provide food, and evacuate people, and the Russians aren't letting them in. They say that the Russians are trying to identify all potential witnesses of the occupiers' atrocities and eliminate them. They also say they have turned our city into a death camp. Unfortunately, the eerie analogy receives increasing confirmation. This is no longer Chechnya or Aleppo. This is the new Auschwitz. The world must help punish Putin's villains, wrote the mayor of Mariupol. Serious, serious stuff. So how does this kind of authoritarian, you know, leadership that Vladimir Putin, and I put leadership in scare quotes, 
leadership that Vladimir Putin is is running in Russia, where you just, you know, you lie to your people, you have what the you know, American Heritage Dictionary defined under its definition of fascism as belligerent nationalism. How did he get that power? Well, in part, he did it by demonizing minority groups. This is the old, old, old playbook. I mean, it, it, literally, it goes back millennia. You can find references to it in the Bible. I mean, read the book of Joshua sometime. The Epic of Gilgamesh contains references to things like this. But the bottom line is, it, and there's, a, there's a very specific formula to this. Identify a group within your society that is a minority that is probably the least able to fight back, the least able to defend themselves, and then relentlessly villainize and attack that minority, accusing them of all kinds of horrible crimes. Now, this, you know, Hitler rose to power by demonizing Jews and promising to solve the Jewish problem, right? In, in, as he laid out in his book, Mein Kampf. For Mussolini, it was the communists and the socialists that he was going to save Italy from. Richard Nixon and Joe McCarthy said they were going to save America from the communists who were in the State Department. Uh, Margaret Thatcher and Ronald Reagan promised that they would save uh, the United Kingdom and America from those god-awful unions that were, that were you know, destroying the country. In uh, the Philippines, Rodrigo Duterte says that he's ridding the Philippines of drug users by you know, sending police out to kill them with no trials. Um, in India, Narendra Modi says he's protecting his country's Hindu majority from the Muslim minority, and it's causing riots and you know, assaults in, in Muslim areas. I mean, literally pick a country anywhere in the world, and 100% of the time you will find right-wing parties or right-wing so-called strongmen who are trying to take over the government, who are trying to gain political power by frightening people about a minority group. This, like I said, this is the oldest trick in the book. And the minority group that the Republicans have, have decided to go after. Now, they've been going after gay people, gays and lesbians, uh, for years and years and years. I mean, this goes way, way back. But, you know, enough people nowadays, as a result, I'd say in large part, you know, of gay and lesbian movements over the last, really since the 1980s in a big way, you know, people are coming out of the closet. You know, most families and most people know somebody who is gay or lesbian. And so it's, you know, it's an attack that's getting harder and harder for Republicans to sustain. So they're looking for a new minority group that they can, that they can specifically attack that, you know, is relatively small. Well, how about a sm small being three-tenths of one percent of the population? That's the population of trans people in the United States. And so the Republicans have decided that they're going to go to war with trans people. Seriously. This, uh, Ron DeSantis, when he held his press conference a couple of days ago, when he signed the Don't Say Gay bill down in Florida, he gave the justification for that law, right? That why we've got to protect our children. We've got to stop these teachers, these awful teachers, from changing children's gender and stuff. He said, and I'm quoting, we had a mother from Leon County, and her daughter was going to school, and some people in the school had decided that the daughter was really a boy and not a girl. So they changed the girl's name to a boy's name, had her dressed like a boy, and on doing all this stuff without telling the mother or getting consent from the mother. First of all, they shouldn't be doing that, but to do these things behind parents' backs and say that the parents should be shut out, that is wrong. Well, yeah, if it was true, it might be wrong, but that's not what happened. What happened was the parents 
uh, sent a, and we now know this because, you know, this has now become a lawsuit and under discovery you can get these documents. Um, the parents, and this is all laid out in the newspaper, the Tennessee Democrat, uh, the parents, uh, this is a, a woman named January Littlejohn, she's the mom here, a registered Republican, wrote to the school two years ago and said, quote, this has been an incredibly difficult situation for our family and her father and I are trying to be as supportive as, as we can. She is currently identifying as non-binary. They're talking about their teenage daughter. She would like to go by the, by the new name, and it's redacted, and prefers the pronouns they, them. We have not changed her name at home yet, but I told her if she wants to go by this new name with her teachers, I won't stop her. The mother said, whatever you think is best, I sincerely appreciate your support. I'm going to let her take the lead on this. So Ron DeSantis now is, you know, lying about this, saying, oh, my God, the teachers are changing children. No, it was the family that initiated this. It was actually the, the, the child themselves. It is just so politically profitable to rant or to hate on minorities. You know, for years and years, Republicans hated on or conservatives, let's say, because Democrats played this game up until 1965. For years and years and years, white Republicans hated on black people and brown people. And I mean, Donald Trump kicked off his presidential campaign that way, you know, hating on Mexicans. But it's getting harder and harder to hate on them, just like it's getting harder and harder to hate on gays and lesbians, because there's so many black and brown people in our society, just like there's so many out gay and lesbians, gays and lesbians. But trans people, most, see, it's, it has to do with this thing called empathy. Empathy is where you can put yourself in another person's shoes. To trigger empathy, in most cases, you have to know somebody like that whether directly or whether through like seeing them on TV a lot. So, you know, we've, we've reached the point where, you know, racial minorities are popping up on TV all over the place and people in the workplace and, and, and in life and in their families are, are getting to know racial minorities and the same with gender minorities. But this, this last one, this is the one, and, and this is, by the way, Viktor Orban was reelected on Sunday in Hungary for president. And he had put a ballot initiative right by his name, you know, where, yes, vote for Viktor Orban and vote for this ballot initiative. And the ballot initiative said, uh, do you support the teaching of sexual orientation to underage children in public institutions without parental consent? Do you support the promotion of sex reassignment therapy for underage children? Do you support the unrestricted exposure of underage children to sexually explicit media content that may affect their development? Do you support the showing of ch sex change media content to minors? 96% of people in Hungary said no, as you might expect. And overwhelmingly, Orban won the election. So, you know, uh, apparently the word is traveling. Here, uh, here in the United States on Monday of this week from the Freedom Works, the Koch-funded group, said, do you agree that elementary school children should not be taught sexually explicit material in school? Yes or no? And then yesterday I got another email from Freedom Works saying, quote, there's simply no reason elementary school children should be taught racist propaganda or sexually explicit material. Yeah, <laughs> but that's not what's going on. I mean, this is, this is a straw man argument from, to, from top to bottom, from start to beginning. And this is how fascists come to power. Back in Russia, it, you know, the czar was promoting this idea, the blood libel idea that the Jews had have the blood of Christian children in their matzah at Passover. 
I mean, you know, and that that road, Adolf Hitler rode that to the president, to the chancellorship of, of Germany. This is how dictators come to power. And it's dangerous and it kills people. Trans kids are the most likely group to commit suicide. And when they get therapy, when they get treatment, when they're supported, gender affirming uh, therapy, their, their risk of, of suicide drops dramatically, well over 60%. But Republicans don't care about that. They just want to win elections. Sarah in Fort Worth, Texas. Hey, Sarah, what's on your mind today? One thing that happened yesterday is I saw uh, some footage that they were showing from Buka. And uh, they showed a little, it's called a crock, but it's a shoe. My granddaughter, who's also the same age, has that shoe. Mm. And they killed this little baby, like execution style. Yeah. And uh, it, uh, I'm... <laughs> it's completely thrown me off my um and I know it's oh it can't happen here but we don't know about yeah. that with yeah. all the crazy I mean uh, you know our media tends to not talk about what's on the horizon but instead talk about what's right in front of us and by the time a lot of these problems get to be right in front of us they've gone from being preventable or even uh, ameliorable you know it can be softened to being just, you know, full-blown stage four cancer metastasis bleeding out on the floor crises. And, you know, which the media just loves. And, and, And that's where we're at. That's where we're at with regard to the food. That's where we're at with regard to Ukraine. Um, you know, the, 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 this is just where we're at. You, you literally, when I saw that little shoe, it just took my breath away and I just literally fell to my knees. I'm like, oh my God, that's that's Madeline's shoe. That's uh, what you're describing is what I was talking about with empathy just a moment ago, that that you have a a reference point, a basis for understanding what's going on with another human being. And, you know, like people who get to know, you know, gay people or lesbians or trans people or, you know, racial minorities. Go ahead. I agree with you on that as well. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, what that did is it triggered empathy for you. It, it, it caused you to, as you said, you know, say, geez, that's the same as it, my granddaughter. Honestly, honestly, it made my heart hurt, physically hurt. Yeah. And uh, I can't imagine. And, you know, with all the craziness that's going on, I mean, we're, we're just like a pinky away from it. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I mean, this actually could happen here. I'm not expecting that the Russians are going to invade the United States, but there are people in no, the United no, no, States I, who are I, trying to start a war. <laughs> that's what I, that, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. And, and not it's, the Russians. Right. Uh, and, and uh, I mean, there's some very rational people predicting that, you know, we're going to devolve into something like that. I, you know, I certainly hope not. And I, I, I hope for better. But the, but the Fox News and the GOP and some of these right wing media are not making it easier. Sarah, I got to run, but thank you I for the still, call. I, I still hold hope, yes. and uh, now it's time to give up. Me too. I agree. Thank you. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant-quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. 
Well, Cook Unity is the first chef to you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity and what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef-quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. I just want to continue on this for just a moment and talk about electoral strategies. The Republican Party serves great wealth. That is its purpose. That, that is its reason for existence in the modern political era, is to serve very, very rich people and very large corporations. They don't give a rat's ass about the small business down the street, and, and you know they certainly don't care about working people. In fact, they're opposed to unions. They're opposed to Medicare and Medicaid. They're opposed to Social Security. They're opposed to all of these programs that they say are socialism. Oh, we're opposed to socialism. And why do they hate socialism? Because when government does things for people that require money to pay for, they tax rich people to do it. And the Republicans don't want rich people taxed. And because their, their, their sole purpose is to serve the interests of the really rich, they, they have a, a problem at the ballot box, which is you can't just come out and say, yeah, we're here to serve the very rich. So what do they do? They gin up these hysterical uh, you know, uh, issues that don't have to do with, you know, that, that, that are really pretty marginal issues. I mean, I, I remember this going way, way back, like in the 70s, the Republicans were all bent out of shape about seatbelt laws. They were all bent out of shape about, you know, plastic bottles having a five cent, or glass bottles having a five cent recycle fee. I mean, it's anything that might impinge on the profitability of corporations. The car companies didn't want to have to pay the extra money to put seatbelts in cars. You know, the, the bottling companies didn't want to have to take the, the hassle of recycling their bottles. Um, just as an example, so they just pull some, some issue out. Well, now they're doing it with this, these don't say gay bills. And now they're spreading. Texas is, has, is coming up with one. Ohio is coming up, has come up with one. Louisiana is proposing one of these bills. 
as if there was some wave of teachers around the country trying to sexualize or exploit children in schools, which is not happening. It is absolutely not happening. But they are completely consistent in this over at the writing. These are the headlines from right-wing media today, from National Pulse. Quote, dozens of Disney employees have been arrested for child sex crimes. From Western Journal, quote, thousands of, uh, thanks to Disney's perverse agenda, childhood will never be the same. Liberty Loft is a major U.S. city trying to attract taxpayers by promising to teach kids sex. From Front Page, opposing sexual abuse of children is the new hate. It seems like it's coordinated, like they pick a theme for the day and pound on it. And today it's, hey, let's, let's, let's basically exploit people's concern for their children. They have a damn about children. They would be expanding Medicaid in those red states, those 12 red states that haven't done it, and they would, they would be saving the lives of children. But no, they don't give a damn about children. Rose in Chicago. Hey, Rose, what's up? Hey, Tom. First, can I just say that in addition to better messaging, the Democrats need to get better at creating the narrative mm-hmm. rather than constantly just having to refute the Republican narrative. Part of the problem is that the Democrats don't have a message machine. There aren't 1,500 left-wing radio stations in America. There, there isn't a left-wing television network. And the one that presents itself as such, MSNBC, I mean, there, arguably there is a left-wing television network in free speech TV. But, you know, they're not in all American homes. They're in 60 million as opposed to, you know, uh, what, 140 million, I think, homes there are in America. And, and true, so, true. Yeah, so uh, you know, the, the Democrats, even if they came up with a message every day, don't have this, this uh, and they don't have thousands of right-wing websites that are funded by right-wing billionaires. They don't have a little, there's no left-wing equivalent to the right-wing True, it just seems like we're always, we're always playing defense rather than offense regarding that. We're always being reactive instead of proactive. Okay, but But what I called to actually uh, talk about, I just comment to make, Mm -hmm. talking about the don't say gay in Florida and all that and all these laws that are being passed. Even in a blue city like Chicago, in a blue state like Illinois, we have a lot of anti-LGBTQ uh, sentiment and violence, including several killings of trans women. One of those, I think, very recently. So, mm-hmm. if these things can happen in like very blue states and cities, you know, think about how much worse it can even be in these red states and with the narratives that they're oh, perpetuating. Yeah. It's just frightening. It's frightening. Frightening yeah. place to live in. Well, thank you for taking my call. Thank you, Rose. Yeah, the red states have become basically the murder capitals of the United States. It's just astonishing, Rose. Thank you for the call. And and you know, again, fearful people well-armed, produce problems, shall we say. You know, lots and lots of gun violence. With apologies for our viewers on Free Speech TV and on YouTube and other video viewers, Congressman Khanna doesn't have video available today, but he is here by phone. And Congressman, welcome back. Thank you. Sorry I had that vote and couldn't get on the video, but always great to be on. It is great having, it's always great having you. Is there anything in in particular that you want to bring up? Just the House Democrats in the House passed the cap on insulin, that you can't charge more than 35 bucks for out-of-pocket costs. And, you know, we've got to do a better job of getting out there what we're doing, because if you want to fight inflation, one of the biggest things we should be doing is lowering the cost of uh, prescription drugs, lowering the cost of health care. Not a single Republican is voting for that. And then I guess the second point I'd say is we've got to, we're running out of time to get some major climate legislation, and it will be a huge missed opportunity if we don't do the $500 billion of new renewable energy. If ever there were a time that we need a moonshot, 
given the petro states and what we're seeing in Russia, it's now. So, uh, you know, I continue to talk to Senator Manchin and others to say in the White House, say, how can we get something done or we're never going to hit the president's climate goals? Do you think there's going to be a response to that? I mean, the New York Times just did this scathing takedown of all the money that he's making off fossil fuels and, you know, his corruption in that regard, all the way back to being a, a state legislator. Maybe you don't want to get into that, you know, level of personal stuff on another member of Congress, and I would get that totally. But do you think that he's amenable to actually changing his position after so many years of just totally being in with fossil fuels? For my conversations with him and people around him in the White House, I think he would be open to a deal that says we're going to have $500 billion of new energy spending on renewables and solar, on electric vehicles, if we have some short-term increase in production. And that's probably a deal worth taking for climate activists. Depends, though, on, on the specifics. Yeah, yeah, as it always does. The devil's in the details, as they say. Congressman Ro Khanna, vice chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, is with us taking your calls in a national progressive town hall meeting. All right, let's pick up some phone calls here. Rick, in St. Petersburg, Florida, you're on the air with Congressman Khanna. Microplastics and how it threatens our country and our society, our health. And in that vein, I would like to ask you, what's on your radar screen? Because we all know that government regulation protects us from such things. What is on your radar screen as far as former President Trump's deregulation of our country? What deregulations are you looking at to reinstate, to protect our health, our republic, our rights as human beings. What are you looking at? Rick raises a very eloquent point, and that is every time I go on an airplane, I am thankful that we have regulations. I mean, the right has made regulations into this boogeyman, but the reality is regulations is what allows us to get into cars safely. It allows us to get into airplanes safely. We need more regulation on social media so young people aren't facing depression and suicide. We need more regulation to make sure that our environment is safe. And Trump had, like many Republicans, they come in and they cut a lot of these regulations. It hurts the environment. It hurts workers. It hurts children. Uh, and so we have to be uh, not timid about making the case that regulations are a good thing often for human beings. Anthony in Dearborn, Michigan, you're on the air with Congressman Connor. I heard there was a committee hearing on Medicare for All, and, you know, I saw I was in the Oversight Committee. It seemed like a strange place for me. I would have thought it had been the Health Education Committee. So I'm wondering why it was there, who scheduled it, and how, and how that got scheduled if your leadership doesn't support it. Well, I was on the committee, Anthony. I agree. It ideally, should be in energy and commerce, but we'll take the hearing where we can get it. It was great that we were able to collectively, as progressives, push to, to have that hearing, and Carolyn Maloney held it. President Obama was for single pair in 2004 before he ran for the presidency. And the question I asked uh, during that hearing, I made a very simple point, that the average American family of four pays a $12,000 tax to private health insurance, and average businesses pay a $16,000 tax to private health insurance. Medicare for all would be the biggest tax cut for uh, working families and businesses in this country. It would dramatically lower the costs that they're paying. The premiums that they would have to pay into Medicare, the small fee that working families would have to pay would be such a savings compared to this 
crushing tax that they're paying for private health insurance. And Jeffrey Sachs was very eloquent on the point. We have to continue to make the economic case for Bernie Sanders' Medicare for all. Amen. Tim in Hendersonville, North Carolina. You're on the air with Representative Connor. Well, let me preface this by saying two years ago, I warned Tom that if something wasn't done about the price gouging going on by the lumber industry monopolies, that they were going to totally destroy the housing boom and, 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 and make a bubble like no one's ever seen before. I've got pictures of Home Depot and Lowe's. They are renting out million square foot warehouses to keep tons and tons of OSB board and all the stuff that we need to fabricate houses and, and build affordable housing and, and do deck repairs for veterans and things like that. Boards were seven ninety nine two years ago or $85. Now, you guys have got to look into and investigate why these gigantic lumber companies, there's no cut in production. My kids deliver wood from Canada and Idaho. There never has been any control. It's, they're controlling distribution to keep prices high. Will you please, please look into this and bring these lumber costs down so people can afford to work on their houses again? Thank you. Okay, this is a problem across industry. Whether it's lumber, whether it's shipping, whether it's oil, what you have is in an inflationary environment, uh, big corporations are profiteering. Now, economists say, oh, uh, the left is blaming the large corporations for inflation, and that's not the entire uh, cause of inflation. That's not what progressives are saying. I understand inflation is a monetary phenomenon, too much money chasing too few goods. But here's our point. When you have a scarcity of goods and you have companies which have monopoly power or have dominant power, they are using that power to fleece the American consumers, and they shouldn't be allowed to do that. They shouldn't be allowed to racket up profit while the American consumer is being punished. And that is for the shipping costs, that is for oil costs, it's probably in lumber costs, and that is why we have to make sure we go after corporate profiteering. That's not saying corporate profiteering is causing all of inflation. And so you're point is absolutely correct, and I support Elizabeth Warren and others who have been making this point. David in Columbus, Ohio, you're on the air with Representative Kana. A while back, uh, Newt Gingrich created that contract for America, which I thought was baloney. But what I'd like to see the progressive Democrats do is establish an ethical standard, a list of things they stand for, and a pledge not to take corporate money. Is that possible? David, most of the Progressive Caucus members don't take corporate money. I don't take any PAC money, and a lot of them don't take, certainly, corporate PAC money. I do think that should be a standard for our caucus. And we stand for some very simple things. We stand for a higher living wage. We stand for eliminating student debt. We stand for lowering prescription costs by giving Medicare the opportunity to negotiate. We stand for Medicare for all. We stand for making sure that we have bold investments in the climate. I think that as we head to this midterm election, we have got to deliver a few of these things to make sure that people have a reason to come out and vote. Ziggy in Oneonta, New York, watching on Free Speech TV. You're on the air with Congressman Khanna, Ziggy. Yes, Congressman. A month ago, I called you and asked about the ACOs, which you didn't know much about and said you would get back to us on it. And, and to refresh your memory, this is where doctors and insurers are kicking seniors off their Medicare without their knowledge or consent. These used to be called DCEs. They are currently called ACOs. And the one that's going to be starting in January is called REACH. And I think they're calling it REACH because that way they can really reach down in our pockets and get money. And the worst thing is this program is designed to pay doctors not to treat 
And I'd like to know what can be done to stop this, because this whole system that's being devised sounds like uh, new Gingrich's wither on the vine for Medicare. So I did look into all of this. In fact, I had an email exchange with Tom uh, afterwards that, that helped me understand this. I mean, the, the challenge is that the Medicare Innovation Center uh, wants to experiment or look at bundled payments uh, similar to what Medicare Advantage has. But the Medicare Advantage bundled payments are saving money, but it's all going into private sector uh, hands. And the problem with this was that they were doing this pilot program uh, and enrolling people potentially in a program without asking for their consent. And so several of us progressives, we wrote to Medicare Innovation uh, Center saying you can't have a pilot program moving people to a totally different system without getting their consent uh, in enrolling in such a system. And you certainly can't do that if it may be privatized uh, and moved towards Medicare Advantage. And so my understanding is that HHS has put a halt on that. Uh, the Schakowsky actually even was saying, we, it may cost them their funding, and that that has been halted uh, in terms of uh, moving forward. That would be great news. Chris in Littleton, Colorado, you're on the air with Representative Kana. Yeah, uh, yes, Mr. Kana. Uh, why can't we put a carbon tax on fossil fuels and use it to directly fund green energy, and that would defund our worst enemies like Russia, Venezuela, the Middle East, and it would help solve global warming. Well, Chris, I agree with you on a massive clean energy program, a moonshot for renewable energy to decrease the influence of petrostates like Russia, Saudi Arabia, Venezuela, Iran. In terms of a carbon tax, I'm open to a price of carbon as long as it doesn't hurt working families. So if there is a way to tax carbon for the big polluters, the big oil companies, uh, that's fine. I think once you start having a carbon tax that's going to affect people uh, who are in the working class, uh, that becomes very difficult uh, and is not fair because they're not the ones who caused a lot of the pollution in the first place and at least the things like the yellow vest movement in in france so uh the president's policy of the 500 billion in a moonshot on renewable energy can be funded in my view actually just by raising taxes uh on the wealthy starting with getting the billionaires to pay at least 20 percent yeah, or how about at least 1%? I think Jeff Bezos was 0.89% last year, according to ProPublica. You know, here's the, I mean, I support the president's policy uh, as is, but here's something that at the very least people should support. You know what, what game they play, a lot of these billionaires? I know, because some of them are in my district in Silicon Valley. They, they never realize the capital gains. They borrow money. They take a loan That's out, right. and then they live on the loan. At least tax the loan. How can you just take a loan and, and, and not pay tax your whole life and live off the loan? And there's a few of them who actually own the banks that they're borrowing the money from. So when they pay the interest, the profit increases their... Anyway. Quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes 
into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Harold in Enfield, Connecticut, you are on the air with Representative Connor. Just before the governor of Florida signed that so-called don't say gay bill, the Secretary of Education, um, he's from Connecticut, I don't remember his name offhand, said that there was a question of federal funding for that for public schools in that state, that there was going, might be a cutoff because of that bill. Now, we signed the bill, I haven't heard anything from the president or the uh, Congress or anything about what they plan to do about that. Harold, I, I, I think the bill is obviously wrong. Uh, it is uh, discriminatory against uh, people who are uh, gay, against uh, kids who are trans. I, I don't understand this idea that you don't teach people about uh, gender and, and sexuality. And I definitely think that the uh, Justice Department and HHS and the Education Department ought to look at whether uh, the bill violates civil rights laws and uh, laws of equality, and if it does, then that would mean that, that there shouldn't be funding. Daniel in Socorro, New Mexico, you're on the air with Representative Kana. Thank you, Representative. I am a voter registration agent in the state of New Mexico, and this week we organized three of us to go up to the local high school, and we registered 65 kids. It was uh, everyone in the economics class, and it scared me because over half of those kids registered as Republicans. And in the state of New Mexico, we just legalized recreational marijuana. We just passed a bill that kids can get their college uh, paid for. And every one of those kids that came in the class and sat down their phone in the break. And I'm wondering what they're looking at and how to get the word to these kids that the Republicans are doing nothing and how can we do this nationally, get voter registration agents to go to the schools, get everyone registered before the next election, and then how do we get the word to them of what, who they should vote for? Well, first of all, Daniel, thank you for what you did. Uh, I'm glad that uh, young people are registering, even if they're registering as Republicans. I'd rather that they register because I think uh, once they're voting, we can win the argument uh, that they should vote uh, Democratic. Uh, and I think the way you speak to young people is to directly address the issues on their mind. They, uh, the cost of education, making sure we're forgiving student loans, making sure we have free vocational or public uh, college, uh, that we are dealing with climate, something that they feel uh, as uh, immediate uh, in their lives, that we have opportunities for them uh, to build wealth and create jobs, and that we have a real plan uh, for job creation. Uh, I, I do think that uh, we can win the young young vote if we uh, focus on, on those issues. 
Terry in Akron, Ohio. You're on the air with Representative Connor. Yes, sir. Congressman, very quickly, do you support Clarence Thomas uh, getting impeached by the House, and should he resign? Thank you. Terry, I support a judicial code of ethics and for Thomas, at the very least, to recuse himself in cases of financial conflict. And I support the judicial Judiciary Committee beginning an investigation, and we'll see where that investigation leads. Patrick in West Los Angeles, you're on the air with Congressman Khanna. Yes, hi, gentlemen. Thank you for the time. Appreciate it. Um, so yesterday I saw a big whopper on YouTube uh, saying that for the first time, President Biden's going to start going to start taxing Social Security benefits. So, you know, we see lies all the time. Wait a minute. The Reagan was the one who started taxing Social Security benefits in 1983, Patrick. Right. No, no. I'm, I, I, I know that. I understand that. Okay. But this is what the ad said. Um, now, if oh, the ad said that. Oh, my God. Yes, the, this this was a commercial between videos on YouTube. Um, so, Congressman, can you please ask the 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 um, uh, the administration to start committing maybe a Friday to addressing you know you know doing a weekly address of conservative lies. You know, we see them, we, we, you know, we hear them all the time. There's plenty of lies to address every single week. And they, they wouldn't even have to answer questions. All they do is say, this is a lie, this is a lie, or, 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 or however they want to do it. Debunking with Roe. Patrick, thank you. <laughs> Congressman. Pa- Patrick, I, look, I agree with you. I think it's got to be more than weekly. It's got to be daily. I mean, Trump woke up every morning and he had no agenda other than a simple goal, which was to win the news cycle. There was no agenda there. And the challenge is in a modern media environment, uh, you have to care about winning the news cycle. And part of the problem, I think, with the Democratic messaging is that we're not aggressive enough. We're not out there enough. We have to be energetic, uh, aggressive in getting our point of view out uh, and debunking the lies. I mean, let's be very clear. Let's be, you know, health care on, on Medicaid. There was a massive expansion. Uh, under the American Rescue Plan. 15 million people today have health care. If the Republicans win, they want to take that health care away from 15 million Americans. How are we not having that conversation in this country? Every Democrat voted for $35 cap on insulin. All of the Republicans want people to be fleeced and pay hundreds of dollars for insulin, thousands of dollars for insulin. Why is that not the conversation? We've just got to be more aggressive in, in getting the message out and it's the media environment has changed. It can't just be monthly or weekly press conferences. Congressman, we just have 25 seconds. Final thoughts on the week of what we should be looking at going ahead? Well, I think, we've again, it's, the climate is so critical. We've got to figure out how do we get some massive investment in climate. I support the president on what he's done on the oil reserves, but I'm also pushing with Sheldon Whitehouse this windfall profit tax to go after the oil companies are making billions of dollars while American people are paying a lot of money at the pump. That's great. Congressman, thanks so much for dropping by. It's always great having you on. Always fun, and and thanks for having me. Sorry for the shorter time with the votes. Look forward to the full hour next time. My pleasure. Congressman Ro Khanna, Vice Chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. You know, I mentioned at the top of the uh, program that uh, in Mariupol, According to the mayor and the city council of Mariupol, the invading Russians who have destroyed more than 90% of the city, this, this is a city of, of uh, I believe it was over a million people, um, is down to you know, a few hundred thousand people who have not fled or been killed. And apparently they're running uh, mobile crematoriums, burning bodies into ash 
to destroy the evidence of their crimes so they don't get busted like they did in Bucha or Buka, however you say it. And the horrors of what's going on over there are really substantial. And last night, uh, Sean Penn went on Sean Hannity's program on Fox News, told him right straight up that he, uh, you know, I don't trust you, Sean Hannity. <laughs> I mean, he basically said, he did say that. And, uh, you know, Hannity has been pushing Putin's pro uh, propaganda, but it raises an interesting question. And it turned into a debate this morning on The View, uh, Whoopi Goldberg and others, you know, kind of leading this, this question, which is why is it that Republicans love Putin more than Democrats love Putin? Or why is it that Democrats pretty much universally hate Putin and Republicans are embracing him right now? I mean, you've got, you've got a bunch of Republicans who have uh, just, you know, yesterday on April 5th, the House of Representatives held a vote about whether to support NATO, whether to give funding to NATO so that they can hold back the encroachment of Russia. And 63 Republicans voted no. Why? Well, as I said in my opening rant here, I, I think that what you're seeing is is right-wing strongman authoritarianism, even when it's being done by a woman like Marine Le Pen in France, is you know strongman right-wing authoritarianism, and that authoritarianism is attractive to Republicans. It's not that they want to turn America into Russia, but they wouldn't object to it. You know, hey, let the oligarchs run everything, and let's get rid of these pesky protests and you know civil rights and things like that. We don't need this stuff. So, anyhow, your thoughts. Morris in Long Beach, California. Hey, Morris, what's up? Uh, Professor, earlier on, uh, you were talking about attacking weaker vessels. It got me thinking, there's a lady by the name of Jeannie Thomas. Now, this lady is a known insurrectionist, okay? Everybody knows this. And I believe that the Department of Justice, the FBI, that they've been compromised and that there is an absence of the rule of law in this country because I know about technology, you know about Pegasus. But yet, you know, she's walking around free. We had Angela Davis, Fannie Lou Hamer, and the females from the Black Lives Matter leadership, they've all been criticized, demonized, and criminalized. All right, and what were they doing? They were fighting for democracy. Let me tell you what the playbook is from the right wing. This is how they communicate. Their, this, their message playbook goes like this. There's three things. Number one, they come up with false narratives. Number two, we call it linguistic facades. And number three, we call them euphemistic phrases. That's the messaging that they, the messaging that they use to manipulate people's minds and thoughts, and it's wrong. So I'm focusing right now on the Department of, of Justice and the FBI and how they, their mission statement, the rule of law, has been compromised because this lady, Jenny Thomas, should have been arrested and put in jail a long time. I don't care who she is or who her husband is. I'm talking about the rule of law, and there's an absence of it, and there's no greater evidence. There's no greater evidence in this country than Jenny Thomas. And Thank Donald Trump. Much. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Morris. Yeah. And Donald Trump. I, 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 you know, I, I, yep, absolutely. Thank you. Kenyatta in Los Angeles, you're on the air. What's up? Well, let me just say anecdotally, there's a song by one of my favorite musicians by, uh, called uh, Sting, who used to be the front man for the group police, the rock group police. Mm -hmm. It's called Russians. And uh, if you've never heard the song, I think it's so poignant, and it was written over a quarter century ago. Uh, but it's so poor, but it, it's really so poignant. So I hope you get a chance and your listeners to check out the song called "Russians" by Sting. Okay. Anyways, um, when I was um, when I was uh, uh, a younger man, I had a uh, a friend, a female friend, who was a, a European American lady, white, well, AKA white. Uh -huh. And uh, we were in the grocery store, 
and we're in the produce department, and I see something called Black Temptation Grapes. And I had never seen such a thing, and I'm I'm taken aback by this. And we're and she's just kind of sauntering along, and she sees me stop, and she says, "Well, what's wrong?" I said, "Do you see that?" She said, "What?" I said, "It says Black Temptation Grapes." And then finally, it dawned on her why I found it offensive, and she says to me, "And quite honestly, do you think about this all the time?" Well, you know, do you have a choice? I mean, that, that's the whole point exactly. of white privilege is that, you know, I don't have to sit around and worry about my race or, exactly. or how, how I'm, I mean, the odds are that there's a, a variety of grapes called temptation grapes and they come in different colors and yep. one of them was black. But nonetheless, I can see where that would just ping your brain. And, and probably I, it, I would it, walk by and go, huh? So what? I, I, I look and it's constant. So my question you had spoken uh, very eloquently, and I agree with the this uh, tendency of vilification of minorities, and 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 I can speak to that from a great deal of experience, 400 years of it, ancestrally speaking, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. It continues today, uh, sure. and in fact, it's a slow motion genocide. But having said that, what I'm wondering if you and or your listeners are thinking about let's take that same dynamic i think maybe there might be a paradigm shift afoot tom and what i mean by that is globally the white man is a minority one in ten um i think that what we may be seeing is not so much predicated upon race but uh, at the same time, this this paradigm shift of the same thing that you were talking about with vilification of minorities happening globally. I think that maybe uh, Europeans are on the recipient end of this. Now, oh, this Vladimir is, Putin. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just no, going to no, say no, that's no, what no. Marine Le Pen and Victor Orban are. You know, that's how they're getting power. But we're we're down to 15 seconds here. So your point. No, no, I, no, no. You, you, you just summed it up. I just wanted to put it out there that that you know there are different ways and perspectives of looking at what's happening. The amalgamation of Iran and China and the DPRK, Russia, is, is shares borders with those places. So you, we need to look at this at a, at, from a, a kind of a broader view. That's all I'm getting. Yeah. At. No, I'm I'm with you. And and you know, racial vilification is an old old playbook. And and all, all around the world, you've got these right wing strongmen using it, and the Republican Party is trying to imitate them. Kenyatta, thank you. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Charles in Miami, Florida. Hey, Charles, what's on your mind today? Hey, how you doing, Tom? Good. What's up? Love your show. I love it. Every day. I listen to you every day. Today, I was just kind of pissed off because... It's bothering me because I live right here in Miami, Florida. I, I saw, I, I actually drove down the street where cars were parked all along the street, five, six o'clock at night. Those were the parents whose kids were killed when the young man Cruz killed all those 
no, people yeah. at, um, at the Marjorie Stoneman right. uh, uh, school. Douglas. Yeah, right. But now that they're now that they're trying to execute this young man, it just reminds me of why Republicans are trying to get rid of abortion. It's not because they don't want women to have the it's a power thing. Just the same way when they gave that gun, they they gave they give people like them. He had mental problems. Okay, they give people like that gun, and guess what? When they do commit atrocities like what he did, now they want to execute him. Yeah, it's now always. They want to take his life. It's all about. And I, it, I just said how sick it is that they want to execute all these, all you know, mental people across. Look, look in the southern states. Everybody that they're, they're, they're mostly executing have a mental issue as well, and I'm sick of them. They they, they want to control life from the cradle to the grave, and they want to scare the heck out of you, you know, by um, intimidate you, by also being able to say we can execute you any, you know. What, what you're describing, Charles, is the authoritarian mindset, and that is what the Republican Party is appealing to. And authoritarianism in a population in general increases as the population feels under siege or under threat. We've had 40 years of the, of the middle class being gutted by Reaganomics. You've got all these phony manufactured, oh my God, be, a, be, a, be afraid, be afraid, campaigns by the Republicans from, you know, in the 70s, women are going to take your jobs in the 80s. Well, for, for a century, black people are going to take your jobs. In the 80s, it became Mexicans are going to take your jobs. Um, you know, and now it's schools are going to are going to turn your children into, into, you know, change your kids gender. And so, I mean, all these phony hysterical things that the Republicans use and they use them to gain power and, and they work. Charles, thanks for the call. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Our book today in the Tom Hartman Book Club is The Hidden History of Guns and the Second Amendment. This is from uh, Chapter 19. Uh, the title is 1966, A Turning Point in America's Gun Culture, on page 89 of the book. On October 2017, or in October 2017, Stephen Paddock rained down bullets on concertgoers at the Route 91 Harvest Music Festival on the Las Vegas Strip. By the time Paddock shot himself and ended the massacre, he had shot 58 people to death and injured 851 others. Following the massacre, criminologist Grant Dewey uh, documented for the Washington Post that between 1916 and 1966, there had only been 25 mass public shootings. Since Charles Whitman climbed the University of Texas clock tower in 1966, however, well over a thousand people have been killed in more than 150 public mass shootings. That figure includes the February 14, 2018 mass shooting at Marjorie Stoneham Douglas High School. By the time you read this book, these figures will almost certainly be higher. Many authors use the University of Texas clock tower shooting in 1966 to mark a sharp divide in American history in terms of gun violence. But Whitman's massacre wasn't a lone incident that set the United States on course to be the only developed country on earth where public mass shootings regularly occur. In late 1966, the United States was in the throes of social transformation. More and more young people were turning out to protest the illegal war in Vietnam and to speak out against what they saw as the sacrifice of an entire generation in a senseless war for profit. Civil rights activist James Meredith was shot by a white gunman while Meredith marched to highlight ongoing racism in the South despite the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and the Voting Rights Act of 1965. While Meredith and other civil rights activists felt that social transformation was happening too slowly, Southern white racists felt that their world was being turned upside down. 
And a reactionary B-movie actor turned politician named Ronald Reagan was elected governor of California that year, promising to, quote, send the welfare bums back to work and clean up the mess at Berkeley, end quote. Between the Vietnam War and racist gun violence, America was already steeped in gun violence before 1966, but not the same type of mass killings that we've seen before since August of 66. America's racist gun culture has been well-established throughout American history. As of this writing, October 2018 was a high watermark for white male terror in America. Donald Trump was on the campaign trail for Republicans in the lead-up to the midterm elections, and he spent much of the month stoking fears about a migrant caravan approaching the United States from Central America. But while Trump stoked fear about a faceless non-white horde approaching the United States, White nationalists and anti-Semites repeatedly made headlines for various acts of terror. On October 15, Portland, Oregon Mayor Ted Wheeler announced that Portland police had found a cache of firearms during an extreme right-wing rally in August. A group called Patriot Prayer had hosted the march for law and order, hearkening back to the tried-and-true Southern strategy dog whistle of Richard Nixon. The event had national attention from the moment it was announced as citizens in Portland organized for a counter-protest. The August protest sparked a brief national debate about political violence. A minute-long melee had broken out between the two groups before the police intervened. Wheeler's announcement may have surprised some, especially since two months had passed and nobody had reported on the weapons cache, even though police reportedly discovered the stockpiled weapons before the event. Wheeler told reporters, quote, the Portland Police Bureau discovered individuals who positioned themselves on a rooftop parking structure in downtown Portland with a cache of firearms, end quote. According to police, the guns were unloaded, one was disassembled, and the men all had concealed carry permits, so the police simply told them to put their guns in a locked container and then left them alone. It's hard to imagine a similar outcome if police had found a group of Black Lives Matter activists with a stash of guns loaded unloaded or otherwise in a parking garage. Later in October 2018, a bomb arrived at the home of billionaire George Soros. Soros was likely targeted because he was a big supporter of democratic causes and a survivor of the Holocaust. That made him the perfect person for right-wing conspiracy theorists, anti-Semites, and white nationalists to focus on as the ultimate bad guy. Soros had been blamed for everything from inventing global warming to funding the migrant caravan that dominated much of the news cycle in October of 2018. On October 26th, police arrested Caesar Sayoc, an avowed white Trump supporter from Florida. In total, he mailed 13 packages to high-profile Democrats, including former Attorney General Eric Holder and actor and activist Robert De Niro, along with former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton and former President Barack Obama. He also mailed one package to CNN. The thread tying all the targets together was that they are all people who Trump had insulted or otherwise disparaged during his rallies. Trump, of course, denied any influence on Sayoc's actions, even though Trump offered to pay his supporters legal fees for assaulting protesters and even suggested that, quote, the Second Amendment people, end quote, might have somehow stopped Hillary Clinton if she won the 2016 election. The book is The Hidden History of Guns and the Second Amendment by Tom Harbin. Harrison in Seattle. Hey, Harrison, what's on your mind today? Uh, the, uh, the Gorsuch argument regarding the regulation of chemicals, when they're talking about fracking, 
those are trade secrets. We don't even know what they inject into the wells. You're How are you right. supposed to regulate when you don't even know what the hell they're putting in there? And, that, and that's because I mean, of what something called the Halliburton exception, exemption that got put into law either at the... Dick Cheney played a big role in this. I, I'm, I'd have to go back and look. I wrote an article about this maybe 15 years ago, detailing it in some detail. Um, but uh, Cheney and Halliburton, you know, essentially patented this process of fracking. Halliburton pioneered it. And they got the government to recognize that trade secret exemption that you're talking about. And it needs to be blown up, in my opinion. hundred uh, percent. And do these people have children? Do these people have, I'm guessing Gorsuch doesn't, who would marry a ghoul like that? But well, I think they, like, they're, they're thinking they have enough money different. that they can insulate themselves. Well, good luck with that. Yeah, you know? they, can, they can just, you know, they can buy all organic food and they can live in a nice, clean place and they can have their own well. And, you know, it's, it's, it, and, and, and if they have a problem, they've got enough money that they can move someplace else. So, I mean, this is the mentality of the, of the, of the morbidly rich in the United States. It, you know, if there's a problem, it's your problem. It's, this is how they're looking at it. This is how they're thinking of it. And I don't... Well, God help us all. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I don't see it, uh, you know, changing any day soon. I'm, the, and now that you've got, we've got six right-wing crackpots on the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, and all of this goes back, by the way, to Abe Fortas <laughs> being kicked off the court or resigning from the court during the Nixon administration. But now that we've, we've had, you know, six right-wing cranks and we've had five, a majority of five right-wing cranks ever since the 1970s on the court, um, it, it, or certainly since the 1980s, uh, it's not going to get any better. This is going to be a tough time, Harrison. It's going to be a real tough And the midterms aren't setting up nicely either. Yeah, well, you know, I, the, in my opinion, the news media is, is not doing their job, frankly. I mean, when you have, uh, this should tell you everything. When you have a, a little over a quarter of Americans believing that in the last year, the number of jobs has gone down rather than up. When Joe Biden and this administration has created more jobs than any administration in the history of the United States, and a, more than a quarter of Americans believe that it's the exact opposite, then that's an indictment of the media, in my opinion. Harrison, thank you for the call. And it's just, it's just wrong. Anyhow, thank you for being with us today. It, uh, much appreciated. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. In the meantime, don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. It requires all of us. That includes you. So get out there, get active. There's so many things that you can do. Tag your end. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great afternoon. Be good to yourself and the people around you. Have a nice day. Enjoy the spring, huh? And pray for peace in the world. We really need it. See you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. 